many of you over the last 24, 48 hours wrote to me about uh, some very particular statements made by former 60 Minutes journalist Lara Logan that are, quite frankly, utterly deranged. Now, I don't know how many in the audience know the trajectory of Lara Logan, but Lara Logan was at one point sort of a respectable journalist, and she has increasingly gone down the conspiracy rabbit hole um, over the last year. We've talked about her anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, anti-vaccine conspiracy theories, covid medical disinformation, just a, a sort of all of the above type thing. I don't know whether this is a character she's playing or whether she really is off the rails, but I am going to show you a couple of clips of what happens when you really are infected by proverbial brain worms. Lara Logan was interviewed by Newsmax uh, two days ago, and she claims to have spoken to a man who infiltrated the global cabal at the U.N. Even she seems confused by what she's claiming. It is very scary stuff. I would get the kids out of the room for this one. But you know what? It's even bigger than that, because um, I, I you know, I, I spoke to a man who was actually holding the documents in his hand. He told me about it. Right. He said he was uh, he infiltrated the global uh, cabal at the U.N. level. Right. And one of the things that he uh, was able to um, to to tell me about from his own personal experience, what he witnessed himself was uh, these documents that show that the plan, there is a plan. And this was several years ago. Right. The plan was to infiltrate 100 million illegal immigrants. And at that point, Point, they were already at 40 million. Now, think about how insane this is. Infiltrate 100 million undocumented immigrants to the United States, a third of the U.S. population. I mean, it does no matter what state you live in. This doesn't even pass the sniff test. Just think about what that would mean in terms of our daily lives. It, it's not even remotely plausible. And these people would dilute what they called the pool of patriots. Those were their words, right? Yeah. Now that's that's great replacement stuff. We we've talked about that for a while. That's the idea of a concerted uh, plan by Democrats to replace white people with non-white people in order to control this, that, and the, this is Tucker Carlson stuff, but just with slightly less eloquent language. And they would not be taught that America is a great country and trained to sing the national anthem with pride and they wouldn't be trained to sing the national anthem. Think about that language. We train people to sing the national anthem with pride. Sound, sounds pretty authoritarian, fascistic, so on and so on. They would be taught all the negative things that we're taught about the US today that our own children are taught. And, and what would be the effect of diluting the pool of patriots? Well, it would be to break down this sense of pride in being American and what it means to be American. Yeah, really, really scary stuff. And to think that just I don't know, what was it, a decade ago? She really was a pretty respectable journalist doing pretty respectable journalism. She also you know, it's it's not just anti-science, it's not just conspiracies, but it's also this pseudo religious stuff where she's not necessarily saying that these are her Christian beliefs, but she's talking about Satan as if Satan is a sort of conscious actor with agency. Listen to this bonkers stuff. It's right out of it's right out of the playbook. The right out of the socialist playbook. You divide and conquer. You don't tell yep. them your intent. You get people to come in. You got your useful idiots. Those of us who are paying lie for these people to have lie. all these luxuries and they lie yeah. about it. Yeah. How's it end? 
Well, badly. <laughs> it ends badly for some. Um, okay, so on a serious note, um, you know, people of all faiths have said to me that this is a spiritual battle. I am a firm and solid and immovable believer in God. Now, understand that what what do you mean? You're saying the Muslims came to you and that this is a spiritual battle against immigrants who are mostly religious. Also, the Jews came to you, uh, the Buddhists, everybody's coming to you saying, Lara, these are really battles of faith against the immigrants. What the hell are you talking about? And I believe that God wins. I believe that good is greater than evil. And I believe that the fallen angel, otherwise known as Satan, doesn't get to prevail in this world. Wow. So um, if you follow the Bible or if you follow the Quran or you follow uh, the Book of Mormon, you know, people talk in various different ways about the end times. And if you fight for God, the end times, guys, the end times. God will fight for you, but people, final, humanity. Final thought, Lara, what, Final thought, though. I have to. I have to ask you this because my my audience is is very God fearing, God loving, etc. Yeah. Final thought. I only a couple of seconds, please. Um, does is God okay with a closed border? It's much bigger than that. God believes that in in sovereignty and national identity and the sanctity of family and all the things that we've lived with from yep. the beginning. God also has chosen Ford over Chevy. He's really weighing in on every issue of time. And he knows that the open border is Satan's way of taking control of the world through all <laughs> of these uh, people who are his stooges and his and his uh, servants. And they may think that they're going to become gods. That's what they tell us. Yuval Noah Harari and and all the rest of them at the World Economic Forum. You know, the ones who want us eating insects, cockroaches and that while they dine uh, on the blood <laughs> of children. Yeah. Those are the people, right? They're not I love how Eric Balling is like, right? She goes, you know, the ones that want us eating the insects and the cockroaches and dining on the blood of children. Right. Right. Who's sicker? The person saying this stuff, the host taking it seriously or the audience members who believe it? I don't have the answer, but they're all pretty sick in my book. A uh, Herschel Walker continues to double, triple, quadruple down on this fake police badge. The the latest example of this is that Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker brought a bunch of sheriffs onto his stage at a campaign event so that he could again flash his fake police badge. Now, remember, no matter how many sheriffs and FBI agents and, uh, you know, Secret Service and U.S. Marshals, I don't care who you put on that stage. It doesn't make your stupid badge any more indicative of you actually being a law enforcement officer. Look at this latest embarrassment. I want you guys to know uh, I'm going to always support them. Yep. I'm going to always support them. That's the cue, guys. And what's happening is Herschel Walker is now turning. He took out his badge and in unison. I mean, look at it just instantly. All these guys behind him going to take out their badges to prove what to prove what I'm going to always support them and stuff. And I want to thank them for all what they do, because uh, what they're doing is toughest time in the United States of America. To Whether what they're doing is the toughest time in the United States of America or not, Herschel Walker's badge is an honorary, meaningless badge. 
He's not a police officer. Think about how far things have fallen where there's a guy running who says, I'm a police officer and he's not. And people go, eh, whatever. I'll vote for him. He's just lying. He's just it's just made up. He's not a police officer. He pulls out a badge. He's not a police officer, but he says he is. He says he's trained with the FBI. He hasn't. Yeah, but I don't know. But he's against abortion. But he's not because he paid for a woman to get an abortion and urged her to have another one. Yeah, but he'll vote against abortion. Oh, okay. I understand. This is an embarrassment to the United States. Let me know your thoughts. I'm on Twitter at Deepakman. I've had such trouble finding a great razor where I am not cutting myself or getting those nicks on my skin, which are so common with the cheap disposable razors. You have to meet our sponsor, Henson Shaving. Henson actually manufactures parts for the International Space Station and the Mars Rover. And they are bringing that exact same precision engineering to the shaving experience. It hurts when you shave because blades extend too far and thus they wobble slightly. But with their aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson is able to make metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair, which means a secure, stable blade with the vibration free shave. It also has built in channels to evacuate the hair and the cream. No more clogs, no more rubbing your thumb on the razor to get the hair out. I use Henson at home. Shaving is a great experience now. Henson wants to be the best razor, not the best razor business, which means you only need to buy it once and it's awesome. Go to hensonshaving.com slash Pacman, add a razor and a hundred pack of blades to your cart, then enter the code Pacman to get the hundred blades for free. That is a three year supply. That's H E N S O N shaving.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Nerd Wallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you Nerd Wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The David Pakman Show is, of course, a viewer supported program, a listener supported program. The primary means through which that support takes place is the membership program. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code BIGVOTING22. And there is, of course, very limited time left until that big voting day in the United States. You'll get the daily bonus show, the commercial free audio and video feeds of the show and invitations to the world famous, truly world famous um, members only town halls, which are a really big deal. Joinpacman.com is the place to sign up. Let's go to the phones. And by phones, we haven't really used phones in a long time. We use discord. 
at davidpackman.com slash discord. We are going to hear from some of you, which I think is a really great thing to do. Let's start with Jeff in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Um, I really appreciate, uh, you know, your efforts to uh, shoot straight with us and, um, you know, not mislead us, um, regardless of your political position on an issue. Um, And I think that you stick to that almost all the time. Um, But there's one thing lately that I've noticed you continue um, to repeat that I think is a little bit weird. So I just wanted to Uh uh, ask you about that. Sure. Um, So you've talked about the um, pandemic stimulus payments and, um, you know, it's a popular right wing talking point, you know, that Biden has created all this inflation with the stimulus and then. Um, you, you like to say, well, if you're not happy with Biden's stimulus payments, then you have to be doubly unhappy with, with Trump's. And, um, my, my issue with that is, um, I think that there's a massive difference between the first round of stimulus payments that were issued, um, when, you know, we were still falling off a cliff economically and, um, and then Biden's payments, which, you know, the I feel like the economy had um, recovered quite a bit at that point. So um, I'm not even making a comment about whether I think that Biden should or shouldn't have or whether it's actually created the inflation that it has. But I do think that there's a difference between those payments that came first, regardless who did them and those payments that came last. Certainly there is a difference. They were also half the number of dollars that Trump did. Right. So it was also the totality of what Biden did is significantly smaller. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yes. And then the other difference, I would argue, is it didn't include the PPP, which was so abused, abused and riddled with fraud and contained so much waste of money going to organizations that didn't need it and and abused even by uh, many of the very people on the Republican side who were opposed to it. So Biden didn't include that in his stimulus, which also to me would would seem to make it more reasonable in a way. So, yes, I mean, nothing is exactly the same. It was a different time. It was half the amount of money. It didn't include PPP. Um, but sure. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about the details of the difference, but for people who just blanket say Biden's one stimulus is the reason for inflation, but Trump's two have nothing to do with inflation. I think those people are either wrong or hypocritical. Yes, I agree with you on that completely. I just think that, um, it's a little more nuanced than, um, Biden did one Trump did two. So we should feel doubly about about Trump. It is more it is more nuanced than that. And at every opportunity we're adding that nuance is feasible. I am glad to do it. All right. Well, thank you for everything, David. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Let's go next to Grant from Iowa City. Grant, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, David. So I am about a decade late in asking this question, uh, but I haven't really paid attention to politics uh, up until the last couple of years ago. Okay. Anyway, um, I was thinking back to Obama's presidency and how there was such drama surrounding his birth certificate and all that. Of course. And I was curious, um, how, what's your perspective on the requirement for people to be natural born citizens in order to be eligible for president? 
Yeah, so I, I've, I've weighed in on this a little bit before. I mean, listen, um, I I am more in the direction of naturalized citizens should be eligible primarily for the reason that without that, you really are creating sort of two tiers of citizens. You've got everybody's a citizen on paper, but some are kind of like more citizens than others, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, I do think that it would be reasonable to say naturalized citizens can be president, but you you have to have some additional, you know, you've lived in the U.S. for X amount of years. I'm completely open to something like that. But I mean, listen, not that I have any interest in running for president. I was five when I moved to the United States. I've been here more than 30 years. Does it really make sense for me not to be allowed to be president on that basis? I mean, I grew up here. Uh, I've only voted here. I've only worked here. I don't know. It just it, it, it doesn't really seem like that's that that's problematic. But I am fine with there being some requirement where, you know, you you if you've only been here, uh, if you've only been a citizen for a year, maybe you can't be president. But I'll have to tell you, I also understand the argument of just letting the people decide if the voters say, hey, you know what? Even though this person's a citizen, they've only been a citizen a year. I don't think that that's who we need as president. You could also make the case that you don't even really need a rule. It should just be up to the voters to decide. So, yeah, for, for me, I am significantly in the direction of allowing naturalized citizens to run for president. Right. That makes sense to me, too, because I can completely understand. I think the current requirement is you have to live in the U.S. for 14 years or, or be a citizen for 14 years and you have to be 35. And like that makes sense to me. Uh, the 35 years years old is of an arbitrary number, but yeah. I guess it's understandable. You want people to have life experience. That makes yep. sense to me. But yeah, the idea that you have to be a, a, a natural born citizen is some people you literally can't. Uh, it's not an option for, for people to have like like for yourself. And I, I know you're not planning to run, <laughs> but um, like everyone has the uh, at least possibility of living in the U.S. for right. 14 years if, if you have the funds to make it here and, and you know, make the move. Yep. Um, but you can't go back can in history and be born somewhere years. else. That's for sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right, Grant. Well, thank you. I appreciate the question. Well, I ask one um, extra little thing here. Oh, sure. You? Sure. Um, do, you, do you see there being a possibility of that requirement being changed in the future? Would, is that something that could be switched or is it too? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I see a possibility of it, although it doesn't seem like there's really any big movement that's getting attention pushing for it right now. So I wouldn't expect sure. it to happen anytime soon. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. All right. Thanks, Grant. There's Grant from Iowa City with a very important question, which everyone will say, my opinion doesn't matter because I'm biased or something like that. Well, then listen to someone else's opinion. Let's go to Smitty from Los Angeles. Smitty, what's going on? Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing oh, well. Sorry. sorry. Don't cut me off. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it's habit. Um, well, I just want to say, after as, as I've continued to listen to you, I have uh, discovered that pretty much my politics are exactly where yours is at. Wow. I mean, I, I definitely feel like, you know, there's just certain things that, you know, that we need to take a hold of from a public perspective with um, education, with environment, with, you know, just certain industries that we should really have more you know, control over 
from the government perspective with a lot of accountability. I think one of the issues is also accountability. Um, and this is my question. Do you think it really is so much about left and right? Or do you think it really is more about accountability? And do you think that it really is a matter of how you structure your society, but really having that accountability behind it? So could you be a capitalist society as long as there's like a lot of accountability? Or could you have a more socialist society with a lot of accountability? I feel like we do ourselves an injustice playing this left right game. I think it's more about that than it is about, you know, the other stuff that is. I, I don't know that I would say it's really about accountability. I mean, on many issues, it is about where you are on the political spectrum. Uh, you know, a woman's right to choose. I don't think it's about accountability. Now, I, what I will say is like, for example, for many right wingers who oppose abortion being legal, they like to take this approach of, well, it's about accountability in that if you engage in the type of sexual activity that leads to a pregnancy, you have to be accountable by then carrying the pregnancy to term. But I don't think that's the type of accountability you're talking about. Um, so I'm, more, it's more on, I'm sorry, it's more on the, um, you know, the economical side. I, I'm definitely like far, you know, far left on people should be allowed to do what they do. And, yeah, no, I wasn't suggesting you, know, you were taking any particular position on abortion. No, I don't I don't think I'm there. I don't think I'm there on accountability. You know, there, a lot of times there's this instinct sometimes. And I, I say this not to criticize you, but because a lot of people do this. There's this instinct to find sort of like the grand thing that explains everything so often in society where people will come and they'll say, you know, fundamentally, all politics is about campaign finance. And it's like, well, a lot of it is, but there's also a lot of other stuff that's not about that. And sometimes people will call in and they'll say something like what you're saying. You know, fundamentally, it's not really about left, right. It's about accountability. I think the the, the world is so complicated that. I wouldn't even waste time looking for the one thing that it's really about. Everything is about a lot of different things. And I think that's the approach we should have. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I do think accountability is definitely a big part of it, but all right. But yes, I take all your points. So thank you for your feedback. All right. Smitty from LA. Great to hear from you. Always appreciate it. Let's go to, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Is this, is it, Phineas or Pineus from Kansas. How do you pronounce that? Hi, David. Uh, it's Phineas. Phineas. Um, it's geez. actually based on Phineas Gage. Well, uh, welcome to the program, sir. You today, sir. Uh, I wanted to say first and foremost, love the program. Huge Thank fan. Uh, I wanted to ask why certain democratic entities would spend money. Specifically, I'm in Kansas. Why they would spend money to get people to turn out for uh, an abortion vote? but then turn around and not invest any money in like a governor race or our Senate race. Oh, uh, well, because they see, so, so you're saying why would they spend money advertising that there is like a ballot initiative on abortion or a referendum? And then the very same people don't invest in like saying, go vote for this gubernatorial candidate who might have a similar view on abortion, for example. Exactly. But tout the, the results of the recent Kansas election and say, hey, you know, we got favorable results and then turn around and abandon us come 
midterms. I have no idea. You'd have to ask. You'd have to ask them. I think I'm. Not, I'm just not really. I'm not really sure why. You know why other people would or would not spend money in a certain way. I'm not really sure. I mean, there are some groups that only work on ballot initiatives and referenda, and then don't work on candidate races. But I. I don't. I think. I, I just don't have all the information to be able to give you an explanation. Well, I, I do appreciate your time on the ballot initiative. Thank you very much, Dave. All right. Phineas, sounds like you've got a lot going on there in Kansas, so I will let you go. Let's go next to LJ from Las Vegas. LJ, what's going on in Vegas these days? Um, a very close uh, race with uh, Adam Laxalt and uh, basically the worst Democratic uh, you know, candidate that could ever exist. But yes. that's just, you know, <laughs> we will be watching that one very closely on election night. Yeah, it's it's the sad fact that people always like to complain about, like, you know, the the uh, the candidates that are available during the pick during the general election. While I'm screaming here, it's like that's why we have primaries and why we should go vote during primaries, which is a more important time Indeed. rather than the actual general. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> What's on your mind today? I was actually wondering uh, regarding the the messaging that we have regarding taxing uh-huh. and just like this, you know, uh, taxation is theft. So, you know, I, I used to be a person of the right. Uh, I grew up my entire life a person of the right. And as I've gotten older and I've got access to more information and more points of views, yes. I, I've learned, you know, that th- there are some things that I do uh, believe I should stay conservative on. But when it comes to taxation, I feel like. The, the messaging that we have here in the United States is all wrong, right? And uh, I've been watching Jon Stewart's uh, videos on it. So if, if you have a chance, they're really good. Where Those he talks good. to a lot. Yes. And so I think the messaging that we have in the, here in the U.S. is that, you know, like when we're being taxed, it's money that's being taken away from us rather than money that's being invested towards us. Yeah. Right. No, that's for sure. And I, I really do think that when you have those conversations where I was watching your debate coverage the other day, where the, I forgot, I think it was in Georgia with, uh, God, I can't remember the candidate that was the Well, the Georgia was Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Then. Or was it uh, Brian it was Kemp and Stacey Abrams? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And they had the Libertarian candidate on there. Yeah. And he kept screaming over and over again. It's like, why don't you let the American people decide? Why don't you let the American people decide? And I think that messaging works because it's it's saying a lie, of course, right? But the truth of the matter is, is when they say, let the American people decide, they say, well, we want one person from one corporation to decide everything because that's what benefits us most financially, right? So when they say, let the American people decide, and they say, you know, what's it called? Private industry should decide this because they're the ones who can make the best decision. Yeah. I feel like they're saying, no, we're removing the option from the government who is voted on by the American people. It's like, you can't go up to your boss and tell him it's like, I want a thousand percent raise versus, you know, um, being able to vote in primaries and elections for someone who might give you benefits for your. So LJ, did you have a question today? I'm sorry. My question is, is do you think that is that the correct messaging? So like that was kind of like where I was going for. Here is the messaging that makes the most sense to me. And I'm not a focus group guy. So this may not be messaging that works, but it's messaging that makes sense to me. And we go, listen, all this talk about uh, taxes or slavery and all this different stuff. You you, you guys got to grow up. okay? if humans are going to live in groups that need to organize anything 
with more than 150 people, sociology and anthropology and group psychology tell us you need to delegate certain decision making. You need to delegate certain powers. You need to centralize decision making and powers because otherwise you're basically limited to groups of 150 people. These ideas that a, a million people in a city are going to just kind of like naturally organize in the way that these libertarians talk about. It just does not work. There is no science that tells us that that works in any discipline. So once you understand and concede that what we need to do is to have a system of voting that will make the elected officials to whom we delegate power most accurately representative of what the voters want. And part of this includes that, yes, we need to, in a society, centralize the collection of taxes in order to do big projects that just can't be done by an individual or unilaterally done by a couple of competing companies who just sort of fight it out. Okay, that, and it's like we just got to be adults. I I can't think of any other way to explain it. Right. No, I completely agree because uh, with my libertarian couple of libertarian friends who are who still lean left, they're not like complete like idiots when it comes to taxation. Yeah, we all have the same conversation point that we come back to is like taxes are, you know, incorrectly used, like the war in Iraq. Sure. Um, cuts that are given to billionaires who don't need it or to companies who are doing extremely well still receive tax cuts. Right. So. Or uh, how the oil companies are, you know, um, and the corn and provide yeah, all LJ, this money. There's a ton of examples of it, but that's generally yeah. my take on how I would talk about uh, taxes. All right, my friend, I got to let you go. OK, hey, talk to right. you soon. there's LJ from okay. Vegas. Let's take a quick break. If you're holding, don't hang up because we're going right back and we'll hear from more people in just a moment. I'm a big gardening guy. Many of you have seen the videos. We have a lot of fun with it on social media. And the crucial thing to any garden is nutrient rich soil provided by composting. Composting your food at home means you don't need chemical fertilizer. It also reduces methane emissions from landfills. It reduces your carbon footprint. The big downside is that it can take over a year for food waste to fully decompose but not when I have a Lomi by our sponsor, Pella. Lomi is a countertop electric composter. It turns food into fertile dirt in under four hours, no smell when it runs. It's super quiet, and it means I'm throwing out less garbage. I'm saving space in my trash can outside. The trash can no longer smells like rotting food since it all goes in the Lomi. The benefits of the Lomi just go on and on. I'm so glad I have one. I know you will be, too. And you'll get $50 off when you go to Lomi.com slash Pacman and use the promo code Pacman. But do it fast. They're already 80% sold out for this month. Sometimes they're completely out of stock. That's L-O-M-I.com slash Pacman. Promo code Pacman saves you $50. There is info in the podcast notes. Let's go back to the discord lines and hear from a few more people. You can join at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go first to, uh, oh, I don't know. How about uh, Sean from Miami? Sean, what's going on? Hello, David. Uh, un gusto hablar contigo otra vez. Un placer. Um, 
I just want to ask about your thoughts on the protests going on in Iran that have lasted over a month at this point and what you think their effects will be. As in, do you expect any kind of liberal reform or even regime change? I feel like I should not comment about my expectations because I would just be spitballing. And one of the things I try to do on the show is if I don't really have facts on which to base an opinion, why am I just going to interject my voice? I don't need to have an opinion on everything. And so I'm aware of the protests. I know that the goal is liberal reforms. I I simply cannot add anything productive to the conversation. So I'm going to let the experts continue to weigh in on that. I totally understand. We're generally not that good at predicting. So we're generally even let, let's that's another good point. Even if I did know more about it, we're terrible at making predictions, but I'm glad to make predictions about things I know a little bit more about. Like, for example, I've been following the polling for the midterms very closely for a year and a half. So I'm I'm glad to make predictions there. But uh, anyway, you get the point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time, David. My pleasure. Uh, great to hear from our friends in Miami, as always. Reminder to everybody uh, on the discord waiting to get on. Uh, you need to have, if you want the opportunity to get on your name and where you're calling from, it doesn't have to be real. I don't know where you're really calling from or what your name is, but it can't be nicknames. It can't be usernames. It can't be obvious like name parodies and things like that. Okay. Just a reminder for people who may be wondering why they're not getting called on. Let's go to David from Oakland. David, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Thanks for taking my call. My um, So- I just kind of want to get your opinion on uh, the Fed policy going forward and trying to tamp down inflation. And I, I think what is it that the Fed wants to inflict pain and that how unemployment, they want to put some people out of work to cool down uh, inflation. Yeah. Um, we've seen what uh, Jerome Powell has said and what senators like Elizabeth Warren feel about it. So I want to get your opinion on that. I am concerned that inflation is going to come down, but it's going to come down in due time and slightly more slowly than the Fed would like to see it come down. And that as a result, the Fed is going to overplay its hand with the raising of rates and is going to create too much of an economic slowdown when partially what we need to do is just wait because some of this inflation is the result of uh, supply chain issues. Some of the inflation is a result of uh, energy prices, which have started to come down. And so my concern, you know, of course, I don't pretend to have all of the information or to study this as closely as the people at the Fed do. But big picture, a general concern with a, with a Fed that becomes committed to raising rates and raising them for a significant period of time is there is more of a delay before the effect is felt on prices because the inflation has to do with some seasonal, not, not seasonal, temporary and transient things that are starting to resolve. And that before you know it, the Fed will have gone too far and will damage the economy. That's my concern. That's kind of my concern, too. And it, it's also just such a backwards concept, it seems, that they want people out of work to cool things down and you get the um, economics of it, right? It sounds like you do. Right. Yeah. The idea being fewer people employed, fewer people who can afford stuff reduces right, demand cool and then prices come down. Yeah, exactly. 
it's a weird concept and you know the market outlook for 2023 i know markets are forward leaning uh but it just you know net negative hiring layoffs it just it's like everybody's predicting catastrophe and you know is it going to be like great my savings account yields four percent but i can't find a job or something no i know i mean listen obviously employment and being able to meet your monthly expenses is the top priority for everyone. And absent that people are in real trouble for those who will remain employed and able to afford their day to day expenses. My advice is advice that I would give no matter what's going on. Figure out your asset allocation, how much you're saving in cash, how much you're putting into stocks and bonds, ideally through super low cost index funds and if things continue declining over the next year, you will have picked up more and more shares at lower and lower prices, which will eventually yield more return when things recover. And if things do well in the next year, then the shares that you already own will be worth more at the end of that year. Either way, as long as your outlook is more than a few years out, you're going to better position yourself for five to seven years from now. And that's the funny thing is that's always my advice, no matter what's going on. Well, that's why we watch the Pac-Man finance channel. Exactly. Uh, right. So thanks for taking my call. I my pleasure. It. My pleasure. And a pre- you, you, uh, you super chat often during the live streams, right? Yeah. It's Bay photo. I very much appreciate that. Thanks for the support. Of course. All thanks. right. There we go. Bye. David from Oakland with a very important economic question, super powerful declaration. And I really appreciate that. Let's go next to Ben from San Angelo. Ben, welcome to the program. Hello, David. Can you hear me? I can. All right. So my question today was actually about polls. Um, A New York Times and Siena College poll recently found that there is a 32-point shift in independent women um, based on whether they wanted to have Republicans in office or Democrats in office. Um, my question was, what do you think is the biggest reason why there was that shift? Now, you didn't say what the shift was, was the uh, assuming this is the same poll I saw. This is a shift where young women have moved more in the direction of the Democratic Party. Is that right? Oh, um, well, actually, um, the poll shows that um, there was a 32 point swing among independent women for to vote for the GOP. Oh, okay. Um, Let me pull that from... up then. Uh, independents, especially women, are swinging. Oh, to the GOP. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's I bad. have I have not seen that poll, and so it would be mere speculation. I have no idea why that's going on. It could have something to do with the specific can. I'm just not sure. I haven't I haven't seen that. I've just found it now that you mentioned it. I had not seen that poll. Does the does well, the do any of the articles speculate about why that shift has taken place? Yes. Um, what I think the biggest thought is, is that it has the economy, um, abortion, abortion rights have kind of taken a back seat, and independent women who were once uh, furious or upset about the Dobbs decision are now falling back on the economy. And okay. um, I guess they're acclimating to the new world, I guess. That's a plausible Uh, explanation. And in fact, in a recent segment earlier this week, I talked about that. Have we just was the timing of the Roe v. Wade decision early enough that it had an impact and that impact is now diminishing? I just don't think that explains a 32 point swing. That is massive. 
Um, I guess I wanted the second question, then I'll go, um, that I had, um, was, do you think that um, the Republican tactics of flipping uh, the debate on abortion, saying that it's the Democrats who are radical for wanting yep. to keep Roe versus Wade, do you think that that has been very effective in no. saying that? No, not at all, because support for Roe v. Wade has only increased since the ah. 1973 decision. So I can't, I can't imagine that that has that. No, 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 I don't think so. OK, well, thank you so much for taking my call, David. My pleasure. Great to hear from you. Always great to hear from our friends in San Angelo, as is always the case. Let's go next to Matt from Arizona. Things are pretty hectic in Arizona, I must say, Matt, between the Kerry Lake situation, Blake Masters, it's wacky down there. Matt from yeah, Arizona, I mean, welcome. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. Me and my wife talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Well, go ahead. What's going on? And my daughter is screaming in my ears. I'm cool. <clears throat> you are on the air, Matt. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to say or ask. Oh, okay. Um. Well... Just just the same thing, you know, Carrie Lake, I can't even understand how people are even wanting to vote for her based upon abortion rights. That's me and my wife's probably biggest thing, just because that's kind of the biggest thing in Arizona right now. Do, and, you, uh, do you ever have you met people in person where they say, I, I like Carrie Lake, I'm supporting her? No, <laughs> you have, I have not. I don't even think up. I don't I don't hang out with those type of people. Oh, OK. All right. Well, but how do you know not to hang out with them unless they mention it? <laughs> Say that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Listen, it sounds like you got a lot going on there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, you understand. Now. All right. Well, I'll let you, you go. Yeah, it sounds crazy. It sounds like uh, <laughs> careful with those diaper blowouts. OK, very, very careful. They could be lethal. All right. Let's continue here. Um, yeah, he just had too much going on. Let's go to John from Jersey. John, what's going on today? Hey, David. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Uh, so you've been talking a lot lately about anti-Semitism, which is a subject I think about a lot. Mm. Um, so I, I'm a Copt, uh, which is a Christian ethno-religious group, mostly from Egypt. Yes. Uh, so growing up around other Copts, uh, I always heard some dark anti-Semitic comments like, you know, a, a lot of it with the whole, you know, Christ killer or sometimes, you know, they have the evil eye, they're pale with no soul. Yeah. And, as vile, and as vile as these comments are, what really puzzles me is the phenomenon of the typical tropes like uh you know they stick together and help each other you know <laughs> right. they're, they're they're cheap um you know and and um what's hypocritical about this is a lot of these like common tropes are actually traits that are in the Coptic community and they're almost like revered except you know you're not called cheap you're called like frugal and like uh you know uh crafty and and things like that uh, you're, you're not called, uh, uh, you, you know, the, something bad about sticking together. No, you, you're, you know, you're part of a community. Uh, right. So I just wanted well, to also, take your, one of the funny ones. On sorry, sorry to interrupt. But one of the funny ones is, you know, when people go, oh, Jew, Jews, they just love money. It's like, right. Black people hate money. White people hate money. Italian people hate money. Jews are the ones that love money. It, it's just it's all so stupid. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's very transparent and hypocritical. I, I, why? Why is it that it's something that's that's still 
a trade among, you know, really most, most people. Which part is a trade the, 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 uh, the having the anti-Semitic beliefs I, or what? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess the, the, um, like hate for Jews, like what, oh. what is it, what is it that makes Jews, uh, so unique or, or, or the focal point of, uh, of, you know, the whole world really. There's a bunch of factors here. So let, let I'll, I'll list some of them. Okay. There are okay, historical factors, which blaming Jews for thousands of years has been a shorthand that can be used whenever there's a problem. Is it uh, they're responsible for the plague or they're responsible for killing Jesus or they're responsible for um, uh, the, the American college and universities becoming left wing, whatever. So first of all, it's it's just it's been a shorthand for a long time Two, as you mentioned, many of the tropes actually sort of apply to everyone. But and so when so it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, Jews love money and are cheap. It's like most people like money and try to avoid spending more money than they need to. But when it's only applied to one group, you can very easily find what you're looking for. That's a second thing. Third thing, there is a difference with some Jews, right? Remember, there's some Jews are darker skinned, lighter skinned, whatever. In Western societies, it's true that in many cases, you can't tell by looking at someone whether they're Jewish. Obviously, most Jews aren't wearing a yarmulke or payas or, you know, all these different things. So you can't tell when you look at someone. And to some of these anti Semites, that becomes part of why they are targeted because it's seen almost as part of the deception. You know, they walk around among us and you can't even tell who's who. Someone's a woman, you can tell by looking at them. If someone's black, you can tell by looking at them, et cetera. So it almost feeds upon its own trope about the idea of deception and hiding out in plain sight. And so all these different little historical and modern realities. And then there's another thing which people love to talk about this. Oh, well, why are Jewish folks overrepresented in some industries? And they love to talk about law or entertainment or whatever. Right. There's a historical discrimination reason why that's the case. Jews were banned for so long and in so many places from participating in so many industries that there was this de facto push to concentrate in industries where you can not necessarily have to physically engage with certain industries in particular ways. And it's because of discrimination that you now see some of that phenomena today, not because of any grand conspiracy to control industries, as anti-Semites often say. It's because of discrimination where Jews were crossed off from a whole bunch of industries. You can't be here. You can't be here. You can't be here. OK, well, what's left? Right, right. Uh, that, that's something similar to a lot of other uh, uh, trades or uh, professions like, you know, uh, Irish Americans uh, in the law enforcement community, sure. things like that. Yep. Um, thanks, David. Thanks for giving me your take on this. Uh, Appreciate do I have time it. for another question? You know, we are out of time. Okay, thanks for taking my call. All right. Your first one was good, though, so I really appreciate it. All right, everybody, we're going to go to a break. Sorry I wasn't able to get to everybody, but we will take calls again. I want to tell you about something I use every day because it simplifies my life. I don't have hours to mathematically plan every meal or take multiple different supplements and vitamins to make sure I'm getting exactly what I want to get every single day. And the solution is our sponsor, Athletic Greens product, AG1. 
I've been taking AG one for over a year. It's just great. It's just one small scoop of AG one in the morning. I get 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotic, all from whole food sources. It's what I want. It's no more. It's no less. It's no extraneous stuff making wild claims. I drink it straight with water because I like the taste. You can put it in a smoothie or juice or a shake. It's just simple. AG one is a sustainable routine because it's just one scoop in the morning takes one minute once a day. I know I'm covered and getting what I want. I can really be sure that I am properly nourishing my body with the things I'm trying to get. That's the most important part. Athletic Greens knows I'm a vitamin D guy. I've talked about in the winter. I take vitamin D to make up for the lack of sun exposure. I take that every day as well. I've mentioned it on the show. And so Athletic Greens is giving you a free year of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get right into our Friday mailbag. The Friday mailbag, I have to say, on average, has been improving in quality with occasional really horrible emails. But you can email info at davidpackman.com if you have something to say. Uh, sometimes people will ask for corrections in the Friday mailbag if they are appropriate. I'm glad to give them. We don't hide the corrections, you know, on the last page of the paper or anything like that. We put them at the top of the mailbag when appropriate. Okay. Let's start. First email is from Bob. This is kind of interesting. Bob sends some questions for the future and says, hey, David, I'm from the year 3328. I was watching your show in the historical archives and found it insightful. I was hoping you could give me perspective on issues people are dealing with today. One, do you think clone marriage should be legal now? See, I don't even understand that. Do you mean clones of the same person marrying each other or just clones in general getting married? But probably, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They're different people. Sure. Number two, should genetic engineering be guaranteed coverage by health insurance? Probably. I believe by thirty three twenty eight, there at least will be insurance for that. Three, are alien species fit to serve in Earth politics if they are legal citizens? One hundred percent. I believe if you're a naturalized earthling, uh, even if you come from a different planet and listen, if you speak the language, if you understand our system, if you share our values, who do I sound like uh, now? I, I don't know on aliens um, from other planets being being politicians. Should AI be able to vote? I think no on that. And number five is debris pollution from asteroid gov mining, something the government should try to regulate in the wake of the recent Mars freighter disaster. I would say yes. Surpr I think I would be very much able to make decisions about 30 year, 3328 uh, world governance. I like that, Bob, really giving giving us something to think about there. Let's go next to Michael writing in about Alex Jones. Michael says, David, do you think Alex Jones is now a suicide risk? If so, is he likely to take others with him? I think he should be carefully watched when you consider his obsession with firearms, his pathological anger and the impossibility of ever recovering from the verdict against him. I believe he has been backed into a corner. His agenda has been chaos and destruction from the beginning, and now he will take it to the limit. I fear I would not be surprised to hear of his committing a mass murder suicide. I hope there are people around him who can prevent this. Um, 
I wonder the same of Trump if DeSantis wins the primary. No. So so the, there, there are good questions here. I don't think Trump is liable to do self-harm if DeSantis defeats him in the primary. I don't. I do see Alex Jones as a possible self-harm risk. I don't get the sense of Alex Jones necessarily taking others down with him. I know that many of you might be surprised and say his, his rhetoric about others is really wacky. Maybe I'm wrong. I see Alex Jones primarily physically speaking as a risk to himself. Next email is from Alan. Alan argues in response to what I asked last week, are Trumpists too far gone? Alan says Trump supporters are not too far gone and writes, David, sir, you recently asked on your show if Trump supporters are too far gone. If they could be put in the right environment, I say no. However, many Trump supporters only consume TV programs that reinforce their positions or are being funneled into extremist media in their social media by AI. TV hosts and social media companies are making tons of money off of all this, and it will not stop without some kind of legislation. The legislation is not coming because these people are voting in more extreme politicians who either have the same goals or also profit. I have lost a friend, but she was not lost to Trump at first. She was funneled into QAnon by Twitter. If I ever get the motivation, I'll send some old chat threads. They are insane. I do agree with one aspect of this, which is I do think a complete environmental shift for these Trumpists would have an impact because we have a study that says that. I don't know if it was like nine months or maybe a year or 18 months ago. We had a study that measured the effect. What happens if you take Trumpists or I think it was like Fox News viewers people who primarily or exclusively get their news from Fox. You take them out of that and you give them a month of something different. And they tested a few different something different, and their views did begin to change, but it required getting off of the Fox News. So. I, I agree with Alan, very difficult to make that happen. Carl wrote in with one of the many corrections about my interview with my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, as I told you all. It's really hard to correct everything when someone tells hundreds of lies during an interview. One of the things Pillow claimed was that all the 2020 election lawsuits that were thrown out were thrown out for standing and not on the merits. It turns out that's not true. Carl wrote to me about it and said, please pin Mike Lindell down next time on the 60 election suits issue. Most were dismissed for lack of evidence, not the right wing claim repeated a trillion times that they were all dismissed for lack of standing. This is an easy one with court document proof. Yes, I, great information. If he's back on or if someone else tries that talking point on me, I will be prepared. It can be really difficult to prepare for every talking point. And I didn't have examples, specific examples in front of me. Bruce also wrote in about the interview with Mike Pillow. Says, David, I'm a big fan and I count on you to provide me the latest and most accurate news. However, I do have some criticism about your interview with Mike. It was unnecessary for you to correct Mike's mispronunciations. It made you look like you were trying to demonstrate how much more educated you are than him. There were far more important topics to cover. So the only correction I made was that he pronounced Kamala Harris's name incorrectly. And for me, that's not about education. Right wingers don't even respect her enough to learn how her name is said. I believe there is much more to the constant mispronunciation of Kamala Harris's name for these right wingers. Why do the left wingers? It's not education. Why do the left wingers know how to pronounce it and the right wingers don't? I believe there is a xenophobic racist component to it. 
and it's a uh, an indirect. I mean, listen, guys, it's when I jokingly say Tulsi Gabbard, right? What am I doing when I do that? We all know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm doing it on purpose with them. I don't know if they just don't actually respect the person enough to know what their name is. I know it's not Dan Bongino. It's Dan Bongino. All right. Uh, next email is from James. Would the army using electric vehicles convince right wingers to go electric? Another left progressive YouTuber brought up that the Department of Defense is looking for a new light recon vehicle and intended intend on that being an electric vehicle. The current proposal is a militarized version of General Motors Hummer electric vehicle. He thinks this will be what pushes the anti electric vehicle right into embracing EVs because that crowd has a strong pull towards trying to imitate the military. I'm not so sure that the right's desire for tactical is strong enough to wipe out wipe out the stupid impression that EVs will somehow emasculate them. Yeah, I, I agree. If the military became known for really rugged electric vehicles, I do believe that that would push a bunch of right wingers to at least be open to electric vehicles. The electric F-150 has made significant inroads. I don't know the status of the electric Hummer, but sounds like that maybe that would as well. But there is going to be it's it's going to be sort of a stubborn belief that electric vehicles are terrible and bad and feminine and all this stuff for a while. But I think if the army started using EVs, it would make a difference. Chris asks a good question. Who is they asks Chris Uh, David, love your show. Have a question. Who is they? Why is it that the right always says they are taking your rights? They don't want you to know they hate America. For a group that hates pronouns, it is odd how they lean on the mysterious they so much in responding to legitimate questions. Don't you think? Keep up the good work. Yeah, I mean, listen, they is a catch all for some combination of Democrats, Marxists, socialists, communists, wokists, Antifa, BLM, sometimes Jews, if it's inconvenient, sometimes minorities, sometimes yeah. They can be anything. They can be whatever best fits the story. So if they go, they're holding you down. They're not letting you live the life you want to live. Could be anybody. And depending on whether the story is about the U.S. government or some shadowy elite cabal or who knows, it's just a fill in the blank and they'll just go through it and try, try, try again until they get something that fits. I now I have to say sometimes the word they does come naturally once you've already made clear who you're talking about. So sometimes I'll say uh, in a story, I'll I'll open it by saying the uh, most religious element of the American right wing has decided that they are going to vote on election and election only. And then I'll say more stuff. And then later I'll say they. I'm referring back to that same very most religious element of the American right wing. I try to remind myself I should try to restate who it is I'm talking about to avoid falling into this they thing. So Chris's email is a good reminder. Busta wrote in about voter fraud. I actually can't tell if this is for real. Busta says, how could you possibly do that long of a response video about what would convince you that there was voter fraud and not talk about 2000 mules? The movie was cheesy with its use of dark rooms and drama, but the evidence was extremely compelling. 2000 Mules is exactly the voter fraud evidence you said you would accept. 
I don't know if this person's for real or not. 2000 mules was a joke. We've already gone through this multiple times. 2000 mules is based on very specious geolocation data of mobile phones that they have not even actually connected to voting related activities. It is completely speculative. It doesn't actually show anything other than supposedly certain people with mobile phones were grouped in different areas that they claim are suspiciously close to ballot drop boxes. That's all they have. I'm simplifying a little bit. It was not compelling. It was not compelling. And if someone thinks that 2000 mules is proof of anything other than Dinesh D'Souza's delusion and narcissism, then I don't know that we have much to talk about. We have a great bonus show for you today. Don't miss the bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. But everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Yeah, especially in this era of Alex Jones hating the bonus show. Thank your lucky stars every day. You're not Dave Pacman. Well, all right, Alex. Thank you very much. Uh, it is a great time to sign up at joinpacman.com. Joinpacman.com, coupon code BIGVOTING22. Just a couple weeks left before the big voting day. Hope you'll sign up and I'll see you on the bonus show.